gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Bees Knees himself, Brian Hey, baseball fans, what is going on? Welcome to the Ball Mitt Podcast. This is episode 16, and I'm your host, Brian. Today, I have another special guest uh, with me. The, the story of how we met was is very interesting. So, as I've talked about probably more than, than I should, I'm sure you're getting tired of hearing about it, I had surgery back in April this year on my labrum, on my right shoulder this time. And at the same time, I was starting this, this podcast. So I'm interacting with Twitter, and I stumble upon this this baseball card game that just sounded awesome called Clutch Baseball. And so I contacted the individual on Twitter, uh, and it was this man named Sean Norberg, uh, who is the co-creator of uh, the the game. And so what's funny is as I was talking with him, he was also recovering from a shoulder uh, surgery. And so we just kind of you know kept each other company as we were recovering uh, and working on our content. And so after all this time, we've finally been able to uh, nail down a time uh, in which to have him come on the podcast, talk about uh, his product. And so here we are. All right, Sean. So how are you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And uh, uh, what I'll do is every time I ask you a question, I'm going to direct it towards you. I'm going to let you talk. Um, no one's here to really listen to me. Uh, they want to hear what you have to say. So I'm going to direct some questions your way, and then I'll give you know my two cents, and we'll move on. Or if anything else comes up that you want to talk about, you know the floor is yours. Does that sound sound good? That's good, man. Let's play some ball. All right, I like it. I like it. All right, so if you can do something for me, let everyone know what clutch baseball is and what drove you and your coworkers to kind of create this this type of game. So clutch baseball is a fantasy baseball card game. And it's something you can collect as baseball cards, and you can also consider it a tabletop or a board game. It's it's really unique in that sense where it almost doesn't have one home necessarily. Um, it's 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 based off of an old game that used to exist about ten to fifteen years ago called MLB Showdown, which was produced by the same company, uh, Wizards of the Coast, the same company that produces Magic cards and Pokemon cards. And this game ran from 2000 to 2005 and ultimately ended up being canceled. And I believe they had issues at the company with sports games because they weren't really a sports company. So that wasn't really their primary focus. And ultimately, the thing that really ended it in the end was the baseball card company Tops signed an exclusive contract with the MLB. And they are now the only baseball trading card company there is. Um, you still have some other companies out there like Panini and whatnot, and they they still use players' pictures, but unfortunately they have to remove the team logos and like you'll see the player cards on there that'll say New York Baseball Club. So it's really limited the industry. So what we've really tried to do the last five years coming up is we've tried to basically recreate our own game that we can under the the confines of the rules we've been allowed. So is it a licensing issue for? Because I know, um, you know, MLB the Show. They, I think they're the only like video game that has a license. Because like RBI Baseball and Super Mega Baseball, they don't have any license. Like, did you run into any problems with that? Um, 
Yeah, funny you actually mentioned that. A few years ago, when we first started doing this, I want to say around 2013, 2014, um, I actually originally contacted Mike, one of our other co-founders, through a Reddit page. And he had started a Reddit page that um, had his own his own cards he created, his own MLB showdown cards, you can say. And I was just, you know, researching the old game that I used to like because I used to play in tournaments for it and stuff. And, you know, this was post-college for me. I was just checking stuff out, you know, to see what they were, you know, had on the internet if there was people that still ran leagues and whatnot. And I came across this page that Mike had, and it was an interactive page where it had a board set up. It had all these cards. It had his own game design. And, you know, he, he used real pictures pulled off the internet, but he wasn't selling anything. But it had this interactive die on it where you could click it and, you know, it just rolled the dice. The game wasn't really functional. It kind of just gave you a skeleton of what could be about the game. And I thought that was amazing. And I actually reached out to him about it. And I said, hey, man, like, you know, I introduced myself. I'm from Long Island. Like, I used to play the game. And I honestly think you have something here. Like, you know, let's, you know, let's see what we can legally do. I think you could be able to create an app or something about the cards here. That's So it all started on Reddit, huh? It all started on Reddit. Ironically, I don't really even go to Reddit. I honestly just don't. I just stumbled across it because I was looking up MLB Showdown. So Mike and I, you know, we kind of hooked up about this. We started talking and, you know, one thing led to another. And by the end of 2015, we ended up printing up our own demo cards. We came up with our own formulas. We came up with new, you know, new rules we adjusted. We added a power die to the game, which didn't exist. And just a lot of other functional baseball rules that didn't really exist in the old game. You know, like playing the infield in and something, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Player matchups, handedness and stuff. So we came up with our own demo set. We printed it, you know, just on our own, just to test it out. And we even came up with a website. I honestly don't even remember what it was called at this point. Probably wouldn't, it wouldn't have been legal to sell from whatever we had because we had the words MLB in there. And But we weren't selling anything. We weren't doing anything illegal. We were just kind of, you know, creating artwork on there, I guess. And we got enough following. We got enough traction on it, um, especially from, you know, a lot of the online communities. But we got enough traction that we actually got a cease and desist letter sent from the MLB. Real now, how did you feel when that happened? Like, did your heart stink, or were you like, "Oh, great, all this work, and I'm going to jail"? <laughs> oh, well, you you can ask Mike because that's honestly hanging somewhere up in one of our clutch offices right now. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> but I, I honestly that I think that was because we were just messing around with stuff at that time. We had no intention to sell anything at that point. And when we got that, I guess it was just like, a, oh, my, like, we actually have eyes on this. Like the fact that someone from some kind of office somewhere saw this and felt the need to send this to us must mean that, you know, we must have something. You know, I guess it's kind of encouraging at the same time. Like if they felt it was not not a threat, I don't want to use that term, but something that they're like, wow, this is something gaining some traction, like you said, that we should probably reach out to them and let them know, like, hey, this is this is you know, just a word of caution, I guess, because they probably weren't sure, you know, how far you were into it. Um, And so is that when you kind of were like, yeah, let's, let's do this, you know, obviously, you know, the right way, but let's, let's pursue this. Exactly. And that's the exact kind of feeling we had. And it was pretty much, you know, how do we do this the right way now? And I think that's what took the, the next year and a half of our research coming across. And, um, you know, for example, I already mentioned the player picture cards where you're, you're limited. You can't, it is available for you to get the player's rights and you use pictures, 
But A, it's very expensive, and B, you're very limited because of the artwork and having to edit all those pictures out. It would take hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds or thousands of hours to accomplish that. So the the next biggest step was finding out all the other rules we had to follow by it. Like, for example, when creating our players' cards, we can't relate any colors having to do with the teams. So if we're having Mets cards, we can't have light blue and orange. If we're doing, you know, Red Sox cards, we can't have white and red. All the cards need to be one generic color. That yeah, that makes sense. Now that I and then and then when you do the special editions, you've got, you know, kind of like a different um color scheme. I think I got I, I ordered one of the Memorial Day um package. It was it Memorial Day? Yeah, you did that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, our Memorial Day one was we had the 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 Tony Gwen and the Trevor Hoffman, and they were the military color, the camo. Yes, yes. So I I like that, but yeah, that makes sense now that I'm I'm thinking about that, and that's a way to not get around it, but do it the right way. So that's that took a lot of I think creativity uh, and ingenuity on your end. Now, when it comes to like funding and advertising, like it, was it only ramen noodles for a while, or oatmeal, or mac and cheese? Like, what was there uh, crowdfunding during this time? Yes. Yeah, so uh, for for those that don't know, it actually started, it was before the 2017 season, and we did it off a website called Indiegogo, which I've had to explain to all my friends and family and everything that, you know, it's, have you ever heard of GoFundMe? Yes, I've heard of GoFundMe, you know, where you give me money for something. But the, the way it's different than GoFundMe is, is that you're not just asking for money for something. You are putting a product out there. We had a commercial. We had a layout of everything. And we had this whole bracket where, you know, if you were to give $5 to this, you know, you get to receive, you know, one pack. If you donate $20, you get to receive a starter set. And what it does is you put a threshold on um, how much you want to make. And our goal for the the campaign we ran was $5,000, which means if we had 5,000 people buy in, you know, basically you know, purchasing the products under the assumption or the hope that we would make $5,000, the campaign would go through and everyone would get what they ordered. I've, I have heard of Indiegogo. Uh, it's right up there with uh, Kickstarter, which I think there's a lot of differences as well. Um, so that, that's awesome. I like the different tiers of, of giving people something back for contributing and making something, you know, come to life. Uh, so that, that's awesome. I believe you guys did it the right way. I'm excited about it. I'm trying to find someone, as I was talking to, to Sean about this earlier before we started recording, trying to find a group here in Denver to play this game. Uh, it's just it's a very involved game, but it's, you know, if you love baseball, you love fantasy, even if you don't understand fantasy, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, it, it, it's, very, it's very easy to pick up on, especially if you love baseball. Like, you're going to understand the ideas very quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you know baseball, and you, I'd always say if you know baseball and you can count to 20 or 24, you can play our game. And it's a conversation I've had a lot of with my non-baseball oriented friends. And, you know, I've given out our business cards to hand out and they'll hand them out. And the, and the one thing they'll say to me is these numbers are really intimidating on here. People are afraid to do it. But I, I keep having to tell them, like, dude, if you know baseball, if anyone literally knows the fundamentals of baseball, you'll be able to play this. Like I was able to play, you know, a similar game at the age of 10 years old and be able to play it at a tournament level. So. It, it's it's not as intimidating as some people may think. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot to it, but you know they're they're just you look at the cards and they're just easy easy access. Like everything that you need to play the game is is there, and so it's very well uh, organized, uh, thought out. And and what I'm going to do is at the end, yeah, hopefully you guys listening, please listen listen to the end. Uh, Sean's going to be able to let you know, uh, give him another plug, where to find the game, 
um, price if he wants to mention it, uh, anything like that so that you can get your hands on this, this awesome product. But before we get into some of our topics that I want to talk about with Sean and get his opinion, especially as a New York Yankees fan. So I've got a couple of Yankees um, uh, topics here. Uh, Sean, you know, being a creator, I'm a creator of a podcast and I'm helping others, you know, create podcasts at Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports uh, Podcast Network. Um, as someone who's also created something from, I would say scratch, you had a conception, uh, but creating something from uh, very beginning, from infancy, uh, give us a little encouragement as far as, you know, what did you feel at one particular time? Did you think, hey, this wasn't going to work, but you kept moving forward? Uh, give us a little bit of uh, a little hope for those that want to do that type of thing. Well, uh, to, to rewind a little bit on the Indiegogo campaign we were talking about, um, to give hope for you, you know, like I said, we set our goal at 5,000 and we actually ended up with, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it was around 16 or 17,000 we ended the campaign with. So I think that was the point where we we're like, wow, we actually have something. We've been talking about it for years and this thing's finally going through. So with with that campaign ending, that original $17,000 was able to give us the overhead to, you know, purchase all the materials for packaging all the shipping and was able to give us our first base set that we got and it was spring 2017 we came out with our first base set and after the indiegogo campaign we were able to open up our website which is www.clutchmoment.com which is where we sell all of our cards from now we sell starter sets we sell full sets we sell all the limited edition cards that you previously mentioned as well awesome i love it I love it. Okay, so let's get into some of our topics. So I've got a couple here, and I actually sent this information to Sean ahead of time because I didn't want to uh, throw him a curveball, pun intended. But uh, let's let's start our controver- or our, our conversation, uh, rather, with a bit of controversial statement by Bill James. So Bill James is a writer and senior advisor to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so last Wednesday, he presented the following statement. Okay, this is a direct quote. If players all retire tomorrow... We would replace them. The game would go on. In three years, it would make no difference whatsoever. The players are not the game any more than the beer vendors are. So, Sean, what is your initial reaction? Um, and then your thoughts after you had time to really think about you know, what he was trying to get at. You, you tell me what you feel, and then I'm going to kind of uh, build off that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that statement comes with a mixed bag of, you know, emotions and, and different, uh, feelings I have, I guess there. But, um, the, the, my initial thought is I get what he's trying to say. I know there's things in there you can take out of context, but I think the bottom line he's trying to tell us there is that no player is bigger than the game. And I think that's definitely true as we see with the contracts we've seen in baseball of recent, um, you know, we go back 10, 15 years ago, all these contracts are handing out to um, Kevin Brown. I remember, you know, that was like the real first big contract, the Giambi one. Then it started to move towards the Joe Maurer days. And now we're seeing the tail effects of the Miguel Cabrera contract. And I think teams are, you know, starting to, you know, stray away from that. They don't want to sign these guys to seven or eight year contracts at the age of 29 or 30 because they know what the last four years are going to start to look like on there. So I get what he's trying to say that no one's bigger than the game and that teams can move on without people now because we, we see it all the time. I mean, no one's going to win a World Series with one player. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's, it's kind of hard when you know people take these kind of quotes. And this wasn't really taken out of context as far as 
from a bigger conversation, but I think maybe uh, like you explained, it was more of where was his mind? Like what was the reason? What was the motivation behind why he was saying this? So, you know, there's, there's always those ideas um, and, and words of, well, I, I learned this in school. It was like, you know, facts are not self-interpreting. You know, if something happens and it's true, it, it doesn't mean that the conclusion is also true. There are several conclusions uh, when you put different amount of facts together. And so, you know, I, I agree with you, Sean, in that, you know, what he was saying is, yeah, the, you know, no one player is, is going to, you know, change the course of a team's history in regard to, oh, we have him, but we have a bunch of other players that aren't that good. All right, we're still going to win. And what, what, I, what I gathered from this, and a couple of you know, players definitely not went off, but they, they, they shared their, um, not disapproval, but disagreement with the statement. And, and I would have to say, I think I posted it on, on um, Twitter. And my, my take was, okay, everybody's replaceable. But, you know, you can name some teams recently that if they didn't have, you know, two or three of these certain players, there's no way they are where they are today or winning a championship. That's, that's kind of like, I, I do think some players are replace, or aren't replaceable, that, that you need them in order to succeed. And yeah, maybe eventually a couple of years later, but I don't know. It's, it kind of was something like as someone who's a, a writer and an advisor, I think maybe, you know, someone should have advised him on not to say this, you know, kind of like, you know, sometimes Donald Trump, he needs an advisor with his Twitter account, which I think is absolutely hilarious, but someone needs to control that. Um, I think something could have been around, you know, at this time for, for Bill to just be like, okay, that's not true. And I think uh, the Boston Red Sox, I think they sent out an actual statement given this more clarity Am, am I correct? Yeah, and I, I was about to say with you, just because I said I understood what he said doesn't mean I agreed with what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I misconstrued that. Obviously, I'm in agreement with you. Um, yeah, my apologies. Go on. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just saying, I and I was agreeing with you with what you were just saying, that some players, you know, they are the, I don't want to say they are the team, but right now, I mean, there's no Angels baseball without Otani or Mike Trout right now. And yeah. And some players just change the entire culture of an organization. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. I mean, I, I saw Derek Jeter play for 20 years. And I mean, I know he wasn't an MVP player. I know he wasn't, you know, what some people even consider a Hall of Fame caliber player. But he, when you take in the whole package and, you know, you talk about the intangibles that we often stray away from talking about in 2018, I, that those do make a difference. Yeah. And, and I think bottom line is, and then we'll, we'll move on, this this statement that Bill James made, it's just it's not that it's not that simple. It's not a statement you can say that like there's a lot more to players staying, leaving, and the impact they have on their certain teams. I just it's just not that simplistic. And he was kind of giving a very simplistic answer. So um, you know, it, it's baseball, sports in general, uh, celebrities, media in general. It, they all it's all about these vague statements, and then people. You're like, oh, it's up for interpretation when it's really not. And that's when things kind of spiral out of control. Uh, but that was the controversy uh, last Wednesday, and it's still being talked about today. But I just wanted to get somebody else's thoughts on that. Uh, all right, now flipping to the Red Sox rival, your team, uh, the New York Yankees. The Rookie of the Year award went to uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. for the NL and then Shoei Atani for the AL. Uh, Pinstripe Alley writer Tyler Norton wrote Tuesday, this so yesterday, yesterday morning, 
that some of the Yankees players aren't too happy with this decision. Now, obviously, they felt that Miguel Andujar should have, and then you, you could probably say that better than I could, should have received the award. So give me your thoughts. Are you a little, are you a little, not upset, but shit, you know, scratching your head at this? Or um, what, do you th- what do you think? I'm definitely not scratching my head about it. And it's something I thought about for a while. And when I was watching throughout the season and seeing Otani play sporadically throughout the year, I was 100% all chips in on Andujar. And if you had asked me as the season was coming to a close, I would have said it should have been him. But the more I've had to sit down and reflect on the stats this offseason, I honestly, looking at both of them, I could see it going either way. And it's the same level I can see the MVP going either way right now. I mean, all of I feel like most people's guts are going to tell us Mookie Betts after the year the Red Sox just had. But when I really just sat down and looked at the stats even earlier today, between Betts and Trout, I, f- I find it hard to really pick one over the other when we're just talking statistically. And I, and I feel the same way about Andujar and Otani. Gotcha. So do you think that maybe uh, with Otani, it, it might have been more of because of the certain player he was that kind of tipped the scale you know, his way? I think that's 100% what made it so unanimous. And I feel like it's the same reason we're going to see Mookie Betts come away with the MVP award tomorrow. I think it's just... You know, it it's the still the little bit of old school baseball that's still lingering around. The voter that l- cares about the win, the voter that cares about a World Series ring, and just the fact that Otani was doing both as the first player to do that since Babe Ruth. I mean, I think there wasn't even a question who the who the writers and voters were going to pick. Yeah, I th- it's kind of hard to pick an award and separate it from uh, the narrative that goes along with it. Like it's you know, with any story or movie, it's. You know, such and such did such a great job in this movie, even though they might not have been a really good actor. But that movie, that narrative of that film was so awesome that, yeah, of course we're going to give them, you know, this award or that award. And, and same, that was my another follow up question I was going to have for you was with the, you know, MVP. Is it important or does it matter that the MVP has to be on a winning ball club? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that narrative exists today in baseball. It's going to exist for another decade or two. And um, I'm more of a new school guy. I mean, I always I always say the saying, you know, I, I just coined it myself, really. But old school baseball is old. And that's that's all I'm going to leave you with on that. <laughs> okay, No, it's fine, because uh, I know you and I could probably go on and on and on about that, because I'm still a little little more old school. Um, I've had a couple I've, I've gone back and well, I, have, I wouldn't say going back and forth with Brian Kenny. It's just been me spouting my mouth and him ignoring him and Eric Burns and these you know, ideas that are revolutionizing baseball. And we're actually, we're going to get to a topic that's slightly related to that. Um, but I think there's room room for both, but it, it's it got to be, with any change, it, it's going to be gradual. And if we want to not erase, not erase, but if we want to evolve um, America's pastime into something that, that does have to get updated, I, I will admit that um, we need to, I think we need to be patient, but then it's like, well, how patient do we be before we start losing people. So there, there's a fine line. It, it's tough. I'm not, you know, Manfred's job is, is not easy. I would not want it. Um, so let's, let's keep on this, this Yankee train here and talk about, okay. So from M- N- uh, NBC sports.com, the Yankees are doing extensive due diligence on my man or my old man, not my dad, but <laughs> a, guy, a guy that used to be on the Orioles, Manny Machado. Um, so I've, I've talked, I've written an article about, you know, Manny Machado, dirty or dumb. And we've talked about that already. 
But the Yankees uh, claimed that they were going to be a bit modest and conservative this offseason, but it doesn't seem to be like that with some of these recent rumors. Now, uh, with Didi being out for, I think, a majority of 2019 season, do you think New York should approach Manny? Uh, I think it really comes down to the the biggest thing, you know, that matters in sports for these teams. is It's the dollar. I think it's the contract. Um, obviously, Manny Machado is going to help any team he goes out to. But for me, the biggest thing I look at when I see him is I see, and I don't want this to be taken out of context, you know, and quote me and make me sound bad on it, but I want to say a little bit overrated from the hitting standpoint. Um, I, you know, you know, his on base isn't that super high, you know what I mean? Consistency. He's dealt with injuries in the past. There's a lot of red flags for me there. But when we talk about DD being out and how he would help the Yankees, the biggest thing I would be excited for him to come on the ball club is for is for his defense. I think his defense would, would honestly be saving one, possibly even two runs a game just off his defense alone. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The def- I mean, just watching him play at third when he was there and just taking those ground balls in foul territory and then slinging them like it was no big deal and still getting you know the, the batter by like two steps is it's, it's not, you're born with something like that. Like I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's, he's strengthened his skill, but uh, not every player has that. It's something, it's something special. So do you think, you know, outside once a team is established like a need, uh, as you're, as we're talking about with, with DD, you know, being out and if the money is there, do you think that a team should or will offer a, a player a certain amount of dollars, regardless of, you know, some some questions that they have. Like, I, I try to tell everybody, you know, during the playoffs, you know, Manny's behavior was stupid. It was dumb. It's it's not something I hadn't seen watching him in Baltimore. He's just he's just chippy. He's just silly. It's one of those things where I remember uh, playing basketball with a buddy of mine growing up in high school named Anthony that if he would ever cross me up, I would follow right behind him and foul him hard. Now, that's stupid. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm dirtier or I cause problems during the game, but it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, you got the best of me. I got, I'm going to get the best of you. It's not smart, but do you think that's something that could be, you know, overlooked if if the amount of skill, like you're saying, defensively is that valued? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I watched Robinson Cano play for a few years, and it was it was frustrating at times, you know, for his nonchalantness that he got called out a lot on. I mean, he'll make up for it with his skill, but I mean, even now we're seeing it with Gary Sanchez, and you know, there's a lot of debate going on about him if he's either being lazy or if he's been hiding an injury. But, I mean, I, I can't tell you how how angry I was watching that game in Tampa last year when he literally didn't even run out of the box. He literally walked out of the box when he hit that ball on the ground to end that, in, that, end that game with the inning-ending double play. So if, if Machado's bringing that, I think, I think it's just toxic for the team chemistry or atmosphere, especially it's something you know, a player like Aaron Judge is going to have to go out and handle with the New York media constantly night after night. So that's not, that's not something I want to deal with. Yeah. That's just, that's added distractions. Um, yeah, no, that, those are some great points and everybody's going to have their opinion, which is, you know, why I have the show. I, I, I love opinions. We're not always going to agree, but, uh, it, it keeps things, you know, interesting. I, I hope, you know, I hope many of the best. I hope he goes somewhere. I, I don't think a team is going to give him a Bryce Harper type of contract as far as length. I mean, I don't know what, you know, what Harper's going to get, but I would, I don't know if I'm an owner of a, a team general manager, I'm, I'd give Manny three or four years anyway. So, all right, let's move on. 
Two weeks ago, I had uh, Preston from Just a Bit Outside, his podcast. We talked about a couple of free agents. We actually focused on the AL, AL East. We didn't do one last week. And so now I want to kind of tackle the NL East, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but kind of just a who's going, who's staying. And uh, I've got the list here. And so we've got Atlanta Braves. So we've got the the free agents. And this, I tried to get the most accurate. This is November 8th, so some things could have changed. I don't think much has. We've got Brad Brock, uh, Lucas Duda, Ryan Flaherty, Nick Markakis. You got three Orioles right there. Uh, Rennie or Renee, depends on where you're from. Rivera, uh, Rivera uh, Anibal Sanchez, Kirk Suzuki, and Peter Milan. Uh, what of those? Who do you think staying? Who do you think's going? You have any any idea? Any prediction? Oh man, those guys are all a toss up. I mean, <laughs> the only name that really stands out to me right there is Nick Markakis and where he'll end up. And I, I could see a contender chasing after him. Do you think that maybe because he's he's like thirty four or thirty five now, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, he's he's still like that that you know lingering veteran outfielder that's got you know still popping his back. I mean, not I don't know if you call it pop with his lack of power, but I mean, you know, just like a Matt Holiday type of player that I could see you know some team you know looking to bring on as a fourth outfielder or pinch hitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's kind of toss ups. I, I like Brad Brock watching in Baltimore, kind of a. A setup man, him and Darren O'Day for when Zach Britton was there before Zach just, gosh, couldn't stay healthy. Um, all right, so I, I'm in agreement with you there. I'd I like to say have Nick's day. I, mean, I think Atlanta Braves are it's a good club. Uh, Miami Marlins, none. Um, <laughs> they've got none. Especially, actually, I just saw this. Have you seen the new? This isn't free agents, but it's something I saw. The new logo that I think is is leaking out there of the Marlins. Have you seen it? I think I saw it in passing as, as you're saying it right now, I'm probably going to be Googling it. So yeah, it's like a, a baseball and it's got the actual, like a thinner Marlin kind of like it would jump out of the water, but its body is curved like the baseball. So it's very subtle. I, I think it looks really good. It's huge improvement um, <laughs> from what it's been in the past. <laughs> All right. We've got the New York Mets here. Uh, Jerry Blevins, Austin Jackson, Devon, Mesoraco, AJ Ramos, Jose Reyes, and Jose Labaton. Yeah, it's not 2015 anymore, so I don't think any yeah. of those guys are going to be a good impact. <laughs> well, I had a hard, hard, had a hard time saying them. I mean, I, you've got Jose Reyes, but yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's he should be done. Uh, the Phillies, uh, Jose Bautista, um, Estrubal Cabrera, Aaron Loop, and Wilson Ramos. Uh, Wilson Ramos, I mean, he'll end up somewhere, but Jose Batista, man, if he's coming back, maybe it's to Toronto for a one-day contract. <laughs> yes, we can retire. <laughs> oh, that guy. He broke the hearts of Orioles fans uh, what, three years ago, I think. Uh, and he was an Oriole. He started in Baltimore. Um, Clean-shaven and still goofy-looking. All right, and then finally, we've got the Nationals. We've, you know, Bryce Harper, obviously. Uh, Jeremy uh, Hellickson, Kelvin Herrera, Greg Holland, Mark Reynolds. Matt Wieters, uh, two more Orioles, uh, Tim Collins, and Joaquin. I bet you that's French or something. Benoit. There we go, Benoit. Yeah, Benoit, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, no, that's a that's a pretty good group of guys. I could see them all going somewhere. I mean, I'm not really sure what the Nationals' plan is at all at this point. Yeah, but no, that that's still interesting to me. And and what's really interesting is when you brought up Greg Holland in that bunch. It really made me think of last year of all those players that didn't sign with teams until after spring training. He's one of the ones that struggled, and a lot of those guys that came out without participating in the spring training really struggled in the season when they signed with teams. Uh, who who is the the Orioles starting pitcher you guys signed this year that was really struggling? 
Uh, we actually there was two. Um, Cashner. I'm thinking of Alex Cobb. Yeah, Cobb. Yep. That that kind of reminded me of like the you know, buying Ubaldo and then we got Albert Bell on like a four or five year and only had him for two or or Sammy Sosa for yeah. I don't. I question the Orioles organization. Sorry, I, I don't mean to keep breaking up. I, I like to be objective on the show, but it's just you know pondering. But I, where do you think Bryce is? Where do you think he's going to land? Do you have any clue? Honestly, I don't know, and I think they know way more than we do. I, I, yeah, th- yeah. I mean, it seems like he wants to come to New York, and I'm so tempted with the fact of having a lefty, especially with Judge and Sanchez and Stan, all these right-handed hitters in the lineup. I mean, I would absolutely love it. And I think the one thing that helps me sleep at night when I do want him on the team and, you know, in, in the event they do sign him to some crazy contract is that his on-base is still good. I mean, his batting average was suffering, but his on base has still been pretty decent. Well, and that's and that's going to be huge for all the other bats that are in the lineup. Uh, bef- you know, after bef- well, pretty much after him, uh, knowing that it, it's not just going to be reliance on the home run. You know, if you get if you get players in 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 scoring position, you don't always have to knock it out of the park. And with you know his uh, on base percentage, that's going to be very very helpful. And they're going to have they can't they're not going to be able to pitch around anybody on that team. Yeah, I mean, even though we're talking about Bryce right now, and I feel like I'm saying it like he's coming off a down year, but I mean, he's still at 100 RBIs, 34 home runs. He had 393 on-base percentage. So, I mean, he was still doing pretty decent. Yeah, I I think either Manny or Harper will be in pinstripes. I think one or the other. Uh, I, I don't think that those two squeak by without being a Yankee, but that's just a prediction I have based on nothing really, just my gut, <laughs> just my gut in the market. Um, I, all right. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And if I, if I had to pick one, cause I figure you trying to be asking me which one I would want to pick in the end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> logic tells me Manny Machado with DD gone and adding that incredible defense in the infield. But if we're just talking personality-wise, which I guess is a whole another conversation we could get into, you know, with who likes Bryce Harper and not. But if we're talking about, you know, not getting that laziness that I've seen in the past with Gary and Cano, give me that left-handed bat with Harper. I mean, give me that Stanton Harper Judge outfield. Oh my goodness! Oh, you talk about <laughs> see, and I was um, I don't know who I was. I was talking to a buddy uh, on the uh, the phone the other day. Um, Johnny Black, uh, he's a, he's uh, one of the chief editors at uh, Scorecrow. Um, he was talking about the lack of, you know, why baseball. And I'm going off a tangent, but you know, whatever. This is great. Um, he went off on a tangent about how baseball needs to market their players more. You know, NBA, NFL, they're they're huge national markets, and with baseball, it's more of the local ones, and you know, the big ones. Uh, thrive more and the, the smaller ones, you know, don't. And, and can you imagine the marketability, if that's even a word, of those three uh, in New York's uh, outfield? Oh, and I hate to say it, and I think Bryce Harper would be the biggest impact on it. I think he does a better job of selling himself than anyone else in the game. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. Uh, great 2019. And while we're waiting, we can play some some clutch baseball. Um, so uh, <laughs> moving on here, I sent uh, Sean this article uh, from Fangraphs. And it's, it's t- talking about the the culture of the game currently. And, and, and there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. But the, the main idea, uh, what I like, it's from Hardball Times by Owen uh, Poindexter. I think it was written yesterday or early this morning, pretty much was talking about, the title is The Co-Evolution of Baseball, the Sport, 
and baseball the game. And so he he, he mentioned, uh, you know, a game is like chess or checkers. There's no physical component at all. It's more strategy and there's deception uh, looking forward. And that's where the game comes in. But then, you know, baseball also is a sport as far as you have to be physical, not like strong, but it, it means moving around and doing stuff to where you have to be on a certain athletic level, um, whether it's swinging a bat, catching the ball, or all of the above. And so with a lot of the ideas this year, and, and they're not completely new, uh, but with them happening more and more with, with more and more teams, the opener, uh, bullpenning, that type of thing, um, I kind of wanted to get you know, Sean, I wanted to get your idea, your thoughts on, are we evolving in the, in the right direction? Uh, is this something that, you know, do, can we, can we look at baseball as a sport in a game or does it need to be one or the other? Can it be both? Give me, give me your thoughts on just where we're going uh, as, as the league progresses. Well, for one thing, I, it comes as no surprise to me that they're doing this bullpenning thing now and uh, starting relievers in games because, you know, I don't know if that generation knew or not, but I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking for you, but for me, I mean, we've been doing this in video games since, you know, I was 10 years old. I mean, I've been, I've been bringing in Mariano Rivera in the sixth inning with the bases loaded, no out jam to get out of stuff. Like, you know, literally since I was 10 that years is great. old. So, I mean, it, it, I am shocked it took them this long to figure that out. I've been saying that for years, especially, you know, dating back to Andrew Miller a few years ago and stuff. I mean, that was finally like the first time you saw a team doing it. So that doesn't surprise me. The only thing that worries me about that with all the specialists and all the relievers coming in is that offense is really down. So that's the negative side of it. But I, I agree with the strategy side to it. It's really interesting to me, and I don't think that's bad for the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I haven't made a decision yet. I, I'm, I'm reluctant. I'm 35, and I am one of those, I don't want to say I'm an old baseball head, but because 35 is not old, it's still young. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Like I said earlier, I think there's some uh, some positives. I think there's some negatives, and the negatives are not. So here it is. This is where my, this is where the rubber meets the road for me. I think it's not so much these ideas and with you know sabermetrics and doing things differently and challenging the status quo to win games. I don't think it's so much those ideas uh, being implemented and in baseball being looked at as not only a sport, but also a, a game. I think it's just more or less how pop culture, how the media just salivates over it or, or over obsesses about it to where it, it's, you see all it's littered everywhere. It's, it's, you know, what's this step? Like I understand exit velocity and launch angle and that type of thing and how it's indicative of, you know, what a player can do, can and cannot do. And, and there's value to those things, but I think it's just, it's, it's oversaturated for, for me. And this, I mean, this is purely my opinion. Do I have a lot of logic or reason behind it? No, I, I don't. I'm not trying to make an argument. It's just my, my gut initial reaction, reaction when I see these things, when I read these things is it's just what it comes down to is like, man, just give it a rest already. So that's kind of like the, my, my motto or my mantra when I see all this stuff and and I could be wrong and and you know I'm wrestling with with these changes and I think it's going to be good it's just with baseball being America's pastime like we don't like these changes like and nothing's gonna make it happen quicker it's just more of 
uh, we ask for patience, I guess. It's so my 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 view comes more from that of oh it's this and that's how it is with everything it's something new and shiny and even though this isn't really that new it's just that it's being brought to the forefront of media like you mentioned Sean it's it's been done just no one's known about it because it's really just the the business of the teams but I don't know I, I've just I I think I'm just overwhelmed and and I feel to a certain extent that I am. A little bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not insecure, but but it, it's going so fast that I can't keep up, and I don't like that. So that's kind of my. Uh, Sean, let me know your reaction on, on what I said. Like 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 lay into me. Go for it. <laughs> hey man, I said it before. Old school baseball is old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but do- it's old. Give give me a Javi Baez. It's going to go out and play second or short or center and. He can bat leadoff. He can bat fourth. He can lay down a bunt. He can, you know what I mean? Give me an all. I think the more baseball evolves is we're not going to see, you know, the old school DHs that couldn't play any other position. I think we're going to see more well-rounded athletes and we're going to see less Babe Ruth bodies floating around. And I do think that's good for the game. I think that not only is it going to give us, uh, I think, a greater product, but I think teams are going to be more inclined to, to market players that that look like that yeah i mean just give me a player that can beat the shift i mean i'm i'm waiting for that trend to start coming where's the players that are going to be able to consistently do that well it's funny that you say that because you know scott boris you know bryce's agent says that he believes the shift should be banned and that it's hurting uh, the game i thought that was interesting coming from from harper's agent did you hear that or read that yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that's hurting a lot of its big time home run swinging, you know, eight, you know, people he has. But I mean, as a whole, you know, as for someone for me watching, I think that's I think that's weak for you to, you know, say something should be banned. I think you should just try to take advantage of it. I mean, I can't tell you how many years I sat through an agony of watching Jason Giambi pull the ball into the shift time and time again, <laughs> when literally all he needed to do is just literally flail his bat. And I'm, he did it once. He did it once, and I absolutely lost it. <laughs> and I, I thought it was the best thing ever, but I never saw him do it again. I'm willing to start seeing things differently. It's just a bit, uh, it, it sounds silly, just a bit overwhelming because it's, I mean, you, I'd love to get more into sabermetrics, and I'm not trying to stay away from it. Um, I'm just, I'm not a big numbers guy, and I've admitted that on Twitter and, and to those, you know, w- one or two subscribers that I have. Um, you've heard me say, that it can be intimidating. It's a lot uh, of stats. And I think, like, what did you think of uh, Craig Consul when he started Wade Davis and then um, Wade Miley, I'm sorry, Wade Miley, and then pulled him after one batter? What did you think of that? Oh, man. Honestly, and I feel like I'm such a baseball savant. I cannot believe I did not know that that has happened in past history before. And I honestly just stood up and gave him a standing ovation in my own house. Yeah. Well, it, and it's, you have to disclose uh, who your starter is, I, I believe. Yeah. But do you, do you even think that that, that goes away? I've, I've read some articles where it's like, why does that even exist? After something that console did, like it was purely a deceptive move, which is fine because that's what baseball is. Like it's, it's deception and strategy and all that kind of stuff. Like why, why do we even have to announce our starting lineup or our pitcher to the other team X amount of hours before the game starts. Yeah, I, I yeah, I see what you mean there. Um and I don't think that that needs to go away necessarily. 
I do think it, you know, you, I guess you should be able to plan your lineup around a pitch. I don't know. That's such a deep question because I don't see a problem with that. I'd like to be able to plan my team around who you're probably going to pitch that day. But if you do want to change it up on the line, come playoff time. I mean, I really don't see a problem with that. Uh, all right. So last thing I want to talk about before um, I'm going to let you plug your channel one more time here. Recently, Joe Maurer just sent out a letter of resignation or retirement. And uh, of course we know Chase Utley was, this was his last year. Here's a final question. Do they or do they not get inducted in the Hall of Fame uh, in five years when when they're up? Uh, I say Joe Maurer, no. Great player, fringe player. Um, Chase Utley, I think that one could be up for debate. I mean, I, I want to say his postseason performances brought it into factor and the fact that he played second base, one of the more challenging positions you know you see running for the Hall of Fame. So I think he has both of those things going for him, and I, I do think he has an outside shot. I think... I think Maurer gets in, uh, and Chase Utley does not, but just barely. I, I don't know, I because Chase Utley, man, he's played. Was it fifth? Is it fifteen years? Something like that. And I'm not trying to say the longevity of your career. You know, the more you don't play as well as you used to, the less your chances of getting to the Hall of Fame are. Um, but I don't know. I guess I was just I, I was a catcher. Uh, my heart goes out to Joe Maurer, so maybe my reasons are more selfish because I also love the Twins. Like, other than watching Cal Ripken, Kirby Puckett was my main man. I uh, loved him to death. Uh, but I'm going to go with the opposite here, and so we'll we'll pick this conversation back up uh, about five years from now or 15 uh, when because they could be on the ballot for for that long. So uh, maybe we'll we'll revisit and you know we'll both you know have a bunch of kids by that point playing baseball. Um, <laughs> all right, Sean, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, what I want to do is I want to give you one more chance to just tell us about clutch baseball. Um, I know you said where to found, find you, but also where to follow you and, and any other stuff uh, that you can update us on your, your awesome product. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you know, our websites where we sell all of our product from it's www.clutchmoment.com. But if you're looking to see what the game's about, if you're looking to check out some videos, you can follow us on, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, currently, we've been posting these generation previews uh, every day for the last 16 days. We're going on a 20-day preview for it. And we're actually going to have a uh, another marketing design we have coming up for the generation set. And that's starting in a few days here. We're going to be having a Lost in the 90s sketch series going. So look, Okay. Yeah, so look for those on our, our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter. That's at Clutch Cards. And if you're looking for all of our videos and some introduction videos and actually some live um, live at the time footage of our clutch tournament we had this year, you can go over to our YouTube channel and follow us on there. All right. I'm definitely, I've actually seen a little bit of that. It's, it's a cool show uh, to uh, show you just kind of what goes on in these tournaments, how the game is played. I think you even have some tutorials on your YouTube page as far as uh, how to get the game started, right? Yeah, there's a few tutorials on there and um, there's a, there's an unboxing as well from last year, but you're, you're going to see a new one of those come up when the 2019 set comes out. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for sharing with us about Clutch Baseball and just your thoughts on you know some topics that are going through baseball here in the offseason. Uh, so everybody, listen, I want to give you some updates. Real quick before uh, we cut to the outro, I have been running a contest for the past two weeks, and Friday at midnight is the last chance to, to enter. 
I'm giving away a t-shirt from Crowhop Sports at crowhopsports.com. I appreciate them teaming up with me uh, these past two weeks. They've been retweeting some of the things that I've that I've said or articles that I've alluded to, so I appreciate them uh, bringing attention to my channel, and hopefully I've done the same for, for them. They've got some great t-shirts, uh, awesome baseball as well as some football shirts that have some some pigs on them. Uh, pigs are good because I'm now a part of the Belly Up Sports and Belly Up Podcast Network, so we like we like pigs. If you like pigs, you'll come and like us. Anyway, so how you enter is I have a pinned tweet on my account. And if you like, retweet, or comment, you can get up to three entries uh, for this drawing. So the drawing will end at midnight this coming Friday the 16th. uh, And then I'll announce the winner on Saturday. So hopefully you guys can come to the channel. Uh, Follow me if you want. I'm not requiring you to follow for an entry. But if you want to, that'd be awesome. Uh, Trying to get everybody uh, to to follow get me 500 uh, followers and i'll actually throw in a second giveaway so that's kind of the deal that we have uh, for the end of the giveaway so we would have when this launches you'll have one day to get me up to 500 followers however you see fit make some fake accounts follow me and then when i give away the second shirt and you win the second shirt you can then unfollow me do what you want i just want to bring attention to baseball uh, to my twitter to crow hop sports to anything that's baseball related i think it's all awesome a great community and so I want to be a part of it. I want you guys to be a part of it as well. I also have a lot of other huge announcements that are coming next Friday. I'm going to be teasing some of them, so so stay tuned. All right, appreciate your time. The Ball Met Podcast is brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Be bold, stand out. See ya! Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Mitt Podcast production. Take a gander at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans!